Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Thank God for the ministry, and I thank the Lord for the ministry having a voice. Amen. Because he chose through the foolishness of preaching to save them that are lost. And you know what? That includes all of us. And I'm thankful that the Lord inspires his word. His word is written. His word is infallible. His word is irrevocable. It is forever settled. But I'm thankful that God animates that word through power and passion and inspiration. And I'm asking you this evening to welcome our friend and certainly not a stranger, Brother Everett Bird, to this pulpit. Praise the Lord. If you want to go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 32 and verse 24. Tonight, um, throughout this service, I mean, I knew what I, I was speaking on. But from the very first song, through every song, it's been seemed like to me has been a, it maybe just been me, but because I knew what I was finna talk about. So it just, everything just kind of flowed in the same kind of theme. And so talks about you know our relationship with God just drawing him and he's the one he's one you know we'll give everything he we would give everything just to have a relationship with him tonight I'm going to talk about a situation so I'm going to read first I'm going to read Genesis chapter 32 verse 24 and Jacob was left left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day and when he saw that he prevailed not against him. He touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. As he wrestled with him, and he say, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he, and he, and he said, Thy name shall not be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a Prince, hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed? And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore it is that thou doest ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Penel, and Penel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. You may be seated. Tonight, I'm going to talk about having a name-changing relationship. The, the thing is, is Jacob, you know, he was the son of Isaac. He was the grandson of Abraham. He was a third-generation believer. He had, no doubtly, you know, he had heard the stories about his family's encounters with God. You know, he was like me. I'm a, I'm a third-generation Christian, Pentecostal, I've been third generation out in this church. And the thing about it is, it's throughout my life, I've heard about God's encounters. I've heard about God's healings. 
I've heard many, many words spoken over this desk. But the thing that through my life, and probably just like Jacob, Jacob had been around God. He had been around Christian. He had been lived a Christian life. But the thing is, is when we find, and I know I started reading in the middle of a story, and I'm actually in the middle of a journey, and actually in the middle of the story, but just a minute, I'm going to catch us up with that. But the thing is, is Jacob, his life, he had been around God. He had been around some great people in his life. I mean, his family, I mean, his family heritage was, was with great people. To catch us up in the story where I read, Jacob was deceived by... Jacob had deceived his father into blessing him and giving him his brother's birthright. Then Jacob flee, flees to Haran to find a wife. After staying there for 20 years and getting some of his own deceptive medicine, being deceived by his father-in-law, he started his journey back home. Now here I've went through Jacob's life, 20 years of his life in just about three seconds. That's almost how the last 20 years of my life has been. It just seemed like it's three seconds. The older you get, the time flies. But the, like I say, I just went through his life in, in just a few seconds. But, but the thing about it is let me stop here to, and pick us up where he's at. <clears throat> we find, well, first he, he, on his way home, he gets a message that his brother was still upset. So he sends everybody away, and then that's where we find him alone. And that's where we, I, pick up, I picked up reading. The thing is, is we, have to, we, have, we have to get alone with God to have a personal relationship with him. That he, wants, that he wants to have that relationship with us. He wants to have a closer relationship with us. And that's the way Jacob was, he was, got in distress in his life. He got probably a little bit of worried of what he was going to face. He got trials probably was coming against him. I mean, he was, didn't know what to expect, so he probably got to a point in his life. He finally sent everybody away, everybody that was praising him, everybody that was talking, talking him up. They sent all of them away and got alone, and that's when the counter with the angel, that's when the counter of God, when he got in an in a, in a intimate relationship, intimate time alone with God. Then God could speak to him, and God could have that name-changing experience. That's the thing is, is, you know, it was not to, to change his name. His name, actually, Israel, actually literally means he that strives with God. The thing is, is he had a relationship with God through this, but before this, before this time, he had a, you know, relationship with God. But through it, when he got along with God, in an intimate situation, he got the relationship that him and God wanted, that God wanted to always have with him. <clears throat> we can go to conferences. We can go to camp meetings. And we've went to large gatherings of church services. I've been to youth services with 30,000 youth people, young people worshiping. And all these, these, these services, these conferences we go to, and I encourage you to go to them. I mean, I'm not here discounting any of them, and, and that's my, my point tonight. But the thing is, is from every one of these thing, big services we go to, you know, like I say, the services I've been in with the 30,000 young people at Youth Congress, you know, them was really encouraging services because you have people, that many people, worshiping the same way you do, believe the same way you do, and they, you know, doing some of the same things you're doing. And so it is a really encouraging, and, and I've got many blessings 
from large services. But the thing is, is, is to get to have the relationship that you have to have with God, to get through the life that we have to we go through, to go through the valleys that we have to go through, we have to get alone with God. We have to get alone, have some alone time with Him, to develop that intimate relationship with Him. God's plans was from the beginning to have that kind of relationship with mankind. If we believe that there is a God, and we believe the Bible is His inspired word then we must believe that if God, that, and then also that we must believe that if God didn't care enough about having that relationship with us, then there wouldn't even be a need for the Bible or to even believe in God. But God cared enough for us and to have that kind of relationship with us. Tonight I'm going to talk, he wants to have that relationship with mankind. He wants to have that relationship, relationship with some, someone here tonight. It's sometimes it's overwhelming that he even he has the he wants to have a relationship with us, even in our times of our shortcomings, times of our when we're not worth loving. There's been times when I think about and it's overwhelming to me sometimes when I think about he loved me when I wasn't lovable. He loved me when I wouldn't I wouldn't I didn't care to love him for if he loved me, and it's, it's sometimes I get overwhelmed with that because he 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 cared. He still wanted that relationship. When I turned back to him, didn't matter how far I got away from him, when I turned back to him, he was there to take me back. And that is so overwhelming in my life sometimes. Why did God create man in the first place? The answer is found in Revelations 4 and 11. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things and for, all, for thy and for thy pleasure they are all they are and were created. This scripture has two two messages in it. The first script part of the scripture is God created all things. That means he included including man. He he created all things. And then the second part of that verse is he created everything for his pleasure. So that means he created mankind for his pleasure God desires to have a close relationship with mankind there is that's the reason that we're each one I think we were each one of us was born it's because he wanted to have he created us for his pleasure Revelations 3 and 20 says behold I stand at the door and knock and if any man hear my voice and open the door I will come in to him and I will sup with him, and he with me. Today, tonight, God's here at the, standing at the door. He's knocking. He's wanting to come in and have a close relationship with each one of us. But the thing is, is God desire, if God, the thing is, if God desires to have that kind of relationship with mankind, then why don't everyone have a relationship with him? That's a question that, you know, that you ask if God, he's just, uh, he created us for his pleasure. He created us to have that kind of relationship. Why don't everyone have that kind of relationship? He's there wanting that. The answer is clearly stated in Isaiah 59 and verse 1. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, 
that it cannot save. Neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. God desires to be close to man. But sin is a wedge that drives God and man apart. A wedge is designed to drive two things apart. Anybody here today, anybody here tonight that has ever used a wedge or driven a wedge into a block of firewood? The thing about it is, is this designed in its shape. It is designed to, to spread two things apart, to separate two things apart. The thing is, is when you, dr- you drive that wedge into a piece of firewood, the more force that is applied to the top of the wedge pushes fo- the, the two pieces of wood further and further apart. The same is with sin. The greater sin has in our lives, the further apart we are with God. <clears throat> the thing is, 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 as the wedge gets started, sometimes it's small things. And that's how the wedge is designed. It's small on the point. But as it tapers up, it gets wider and further. And that's just the way sin does in our life. It gets us further and further. We started out small. We started out, well, this won't hurt nothing. But the further, the more that the pressure is put on that wedge, the more pressure is applied, the further and further we get pushed apart from God. The sins of Adam and Eve started the wedge between mankind and God. And the sins of mankind through, the, through time has driven God, driven the wedge of sin, driven God and man further and further apart. To there's people today, we meet them every day on our jobs, at schools. We meet people that don't even know God. The generation that, we grew, that I grew up in, they knew something about God. But we, we've, we've, I've met people in the past couple years that don't know nothing about God. That's just a, a myth to them. They have no experience at all of God. And that is because the sin has been, through the time, has driven that wedge between mankind and God. There is sin in all humanity. We are all, because of Adam and Eve starting the wedge of sin, we are born sinners. We don't have to do anything to become a sinner, but just be born. Romans 5 and 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans 5 and 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. There is sin in all of our lives, but there is something we can do about that sin. There's a short story on a, on a tale about a, a ceramic teacher that had divided his class into two groups. One group would be graded on the quantity of their work. They may, was to make as many pots as possible. The other group would be graded on the quality of their work. They was to take the most to make the most perfect pot 
as possible. When the day came for the, to grade the students, the professor was amazed to discover that the group being graded on the quantity also has the best quality. The group that churning out the most vegetables also made the finest pieces. The reason is they were learning from their mistakes. So their work was constantly improving. The quality group spent all their time on one single pot. But without the benefit of failure, without the benefit of mistakes, they didn't have the experience to create the best quality. No one is perfect. No one here is perfect tonight. We all can gain and we all can learn from our failures, from our mistakes. And it can all, through the experience we go through through life, we can draw closer to God. We can learn from our mistakes, learn from the sins that the wedge has been driven. Failure is often the back door to success. Genesis 1 tells of Adam's, Adam's sin and the rest of the Bible, the rest of the Bible, basically unveiling God's plan to get rid of sin. So this whole book that we hold is so dear, the very first chapter talks about the, the original sin. And the rest of the book talks about how God plans to deal with this sin. God is here tonight. And he is wanting to have that relationship with you. The thing is, is we all, a lot of us here, has had a relationship with God. I'm talking to myself today. I've been around this been in this around this church as long as this, this church building's been here. I was coming to church here before this church building was built here. When it was in the little white building beside it. But the thing is, is I've been around church all my life and I've been in relationships. But God is right now, I believe He is drawing us closer. He wants to have a closer closer relationship with us. He's wanting us to have the relationship like Jacob had. He's wanting to have it to the point that we have a name changing relationship. We want to, he wants us to be com completely committed to him. When a husband and a wife gets married, they become one. The wife changes her name most of the time. The wife changes their name to, to has a name changing in that relationship because of the relationship she changes her name to be one. And that is what God is wanting for us. He is wanting us to have that kind of relationship. He's wanting us to change our, not literally change our name, but he's wanting us to draw closer to him. He's wanting to be committed, us be committed to him. The thing is, we don't have to, we have to, just like Jacob, in closing tonight, we don't have to have that kind of relationship with God. To find that relationship with God, we're going to have to get along with him. You don't have to, you know, we call it our prayer closets, we have, you should have a place that you pray at that's all alone. But you don't have to be completely by yourself to be alone with God. You can find a place in the middle of a crowd to be alone with God. God is just wanting us. He's wanting us to get along with Him. He's wanting us to draw closer to Him. He's wanting us to have that kind of relationship that He desired to have from the beginning. 
Tonight, I think, as we stand, tonight, I think that there's, there's some, somebody in here that God is speaking to. And I think God is wanting to draw closer to you tonight because I think he won't have that relationship. He's wanting to build that relationship or, or rebuild that relationship that's been broken down. That the sin of the wedge, the wedge of sin has separated us from God sometimes. And God is wanting to restore that relationship. Tonight, as we find somewhere, and as we find as they play and sing, if we find somewhere tonight to pray alone and get our relationship with God, repair that relationship. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.